You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. You know, my heart just feels moved at the moment with the current scenario that the church is experiencing. In so many ways, it reminds me a lot of the book of Acts Church, where people were dispersed into small groups, into their homes because of the persecution that hit the church. They were meeting in big gatherings, and all of a sudden, because of the pressure of the government, although I'm not saying we're experiencing a pressure from the government, certainly we're experiencing pressure by the fact that we can no longer meet the way we used to meet. But in, in saying that, the church grew even greater. And I'm reminded of the churches in China who are persecuted by the communist government are the biggest churches in the world. They're fruitful out of persecution. It's almost as if that the smaller we get, the more influential we become. It reminds me of what John the Baptist said, less of me and more of him. It's as if that the less we become, the greater the power of God is displayed on the earth. It's amazing. I, I, I'm emotional because I just sense that we are at the precipice of something great as a body of Christ, as a family. These times are merely not just hard times. These times are times of opportunity. Not an opportunity to become entrepreneurial or to become a bigger church. In fact, it's as if that God is reducing His church, stripping away the things that we're used to, taking away our comfort, so that not so that we can become uncomfortable, but so that we become the church that's on the edge of faith. At the moment, we are progressing towards this subject called, Who Am I? I want to probably touch a little bit on that, but I think there's so much more pressing stuff to, 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 to touch on. In the current situation, some people would say that churches don't have faith if they stop gathering. I know personally of other pastors that say this. And this is not to disparage them, but that is their choice if they want to choose that. For me, faith is a mixture of both wisdom, diligence, and the ability to hear God for your situation. But it's also the ability to trust God no matter what situation you're in. It's not just about believing for something good to happen and trying to claim that. To be part of your life. No, it's, it's more than some consumerist ideology. In fact, faith at its most base level is not about knowing who you are, but knowing who He is. And so I want to talk to you about knowing who you are from the perspective of, of not who am I, but who is I am. That means who is the great I am, who is God. And the reality is for most of us and for all people on the face of this planet, you never ever really know who you truly are unless you know God because He is the origin of all creation. He is the great creator. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. 
So today I want to talk to you about a particular story in the life of Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to read a few verses of this passage of scripture <clears throat> to you this morning uh, to jog your memory if you don't know what it is. But if you are not familiar with the Bible, uh, you could look at your iPhone and, and open a Bible app or just look at your, maybe you have an Android and not an iPhone, but whatever your, your handheld device is and, and just have a look at for a Bible and just search on your, your web search and you'll find the book of Luke chapter 7. Uh, we're going to go from verse 1. I'm going to read a few points of this that really touched my heart as I started to study this for today's message. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, verse 1, he entered Capernaum. Now Capernaum was Jesus' hometown. Not a lot of stuff happened in Capernaum because there was so much familiarity about Jesus. People kind of thought he was just a carpenter's son. He was just a boy, and they thought that he was just a boy from Nazareth. So he goes to his town. It's really a fairly a non-eventful eventful place. And so in verse 2, it says, A centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. Now let me paint the picture for you. There was a centurion. Now a centurion in the Roman Empire was a, uh, a general of a hundred armies. Maybe not a general, but he was a captain. He was in charge of a hundred soldiers. They may have started as a soldier and worked their way up uh, to become a centurion. That means they would have been either elected or nominated by somebody. Or they had an influential sponsor that made them into a centurion. But most of the parts, they would have had to have shown incredible diligence, loyalty, and incredible bravery in battle. These men were hardened men who have seen the blood and guts of war. They're not softies. But one of the things that's interesting about this is that the Bible tells us that the centurion valued his servant very highly. To the point that he would go and call on Jesus to heal his servant. Now usually masters of his caliber didn't care about their servants because they were kind of a dime a dozen. If your servant got sick and died, you just go find somebody else to replace that person. But there's something about the servant. And I would even go as far to say that perhaps the servant was sharing some life lessons and life stories with him that he highly valued. Maybe they had conversations about life and about death and about mortality. There's something valuable about this servant. And I believe that it wasn't just his serving or her serving. There was something else. Because the next verse tells us, when the centurion heard about Jesus... Isn't that amazing? Whenever you see a person hear about Jesus and the Word of God, something rises up within them that draws them to the Savior. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people today that hear about Jesus, but not, it doesn't do anything for them. It doesn't touch their lives because the word here, to heard here in, in the Word of God really refers to somebody whose heart has been moved by the reputation of the Lord. There's something about him hearing about God. And I would even go, this is my conjecture, I would even guess to say that maybe the servant told him about Jesus. Maybe the servant told him about this man called Jesus who lives in this town. And when he touches the blind, the blind see. And when he touches the, the, the lame, the lame start to walk. There's something about Jesus that he heard that caused him 
to go and send for Jesus or at least to meet Jesus and ask Jesus for the favor of healing his servant who at this point was at his deathbed. You know, one thing about the Lord is this. The Lord never regards your request, no matter how big or how small it is, to be of no consequence. Whatever is important to you is important to God. And to this centurion, the most important thing for him was to see his servant come back to life. So he sent him, in verse 3, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And verse 4, And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy. Now I want you to note what the, the Jewish priest or the elders said to Jesus about the centurion. They said that this guy is worthy. And I don't know how you find yourself worthy, but to their eyes, the religious leader's eyes, this centurion was worthy. Even though he was not a Jew, he was not part of God's people, but they had an incredible high regard for him. And why is that? And the Bible tells us because the elders said to Jesus, this man, this centurion built our synagogue. He basically built our church. He paid for it with his own money. And he called him worthy. And when I think about this, a lot of times we regard people to be worthy because of their achievements. We think that people are worthy because of their title. We think people are worthy because of their wealth. Sometimes we give people importance in life because of the benefits that we receive from them. What I love about this is that Jesus listened carefully to what the Jewish leaders said. But later on in the next verse, something interesting happened. It's a bit of a reversal. Jesus went with them at the request, the Bible, the Bible says in verse 6. But it says, when he was not far from the house, the Bible says, the centurion sent his friends saying to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. Did you just get that? The Jews, because of what they can get out of this guy, because of the benefit out of this guy, they thought he was a man of importance and says, he is worthy for you to go visit him. But in the eye of the centurion, after he heard about the kind of man Jesus was, he probably compared himself to Jesus and realized he did not measure up to the kind of man Jesus was. Now here's the point that I want you to know. You can know about Jesus or you can actually know him. You see, when you know about Jesus, you begin to kind of think him just another religious figure, maybe a historical figure, or maybe just another prophet for some people. But when you really know him, and you really hear about who he really is, and begin to understand the nature of Jesus and the fullness of God that is in him, you begin to realize something else, that our lives does not measure up to the level of, that Jesus wants us to live to. You see, when you really meet with God, when you really see God and know Him for all who He is, you realize how small you are. You begin to realize your failures, but that's not there to make you feel guilty or to shame you. That's natural. There's, we have this sense of awkward relationship with the presence of God. Because when God's presence turns up, even though we are so drawn to it like a moth to a flame, we feel like it's a dangerous place. We are unsafe because it strips us away of who we are 
we begin to realize that we are mere human beings with all our failures. And, 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 and that doesn't mean that God doesn't accept you. You see, Jesus heard his words when he said, I'm not worthy. And from a cultural perspective, it's because he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was not meant to meet with a priest or even touch a priest or even converse with one. But I love the fact that Jesus didn't even care what race he was, but that Jesus went to him. But I love this next part, and I want to really just encapsulate this whole message in this in the next few minutes. The Bible says in verse 7, Therefore I did not presume to come to you. This is what the centurion said. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man sent under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes to my servant, do this. And he does this. And verse 9, this is staggering. When Jesus heard these things, plural, Jesus heard not just one thing. He heard more, at least two things. I believe he heard two things. One, he saw that this, this man's humility was evident by him saying, I am not worthy, Lord, to be with you, to talk with you. But one thing that you can do is to speak the word. He noticed Jesus' authority. Look what happens. The Bible said when he heard these things, Jesus, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd, Jesus turned to the disciples, the elders, and everybody that was there. Imagine a big crowd of people following Jesus, expecting some kind of miracle, expecting Jesus to heal the servant. Jesus stops as he hears these words. And he turns to the crowd and he said these words. The Bible said he marveled at him and he says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And in verse 10 says this, and when those two had been, had been sent, returned to the house, they found the servant well. What an amazing story. Jesus was the first distance preacher. Didn't have a building. What's interesting about this is it was out of the church building and Jesus didn't even make it to the house, but his word did. And today, God's Word is making it to your house. Today is not about trying to be technologically, you know, relevant. This is not about trying to be, you know, sort of with it. And it's not even a necessity. This is about declaring the Word of God. This is about allowing the Word of Jesus pass through the airwaves through the internet, through the cable, into your home so that your life would be healed by the power of God. I want to invite you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to allow His Word to touch your heart, to touch your life. I so believe that Jesus is just waiting for faith to rise within you in a society that is so filled with uncertainty, so filled with fear, so filled with confusion and very little toilet paper. God wants to touch your life. You know, I really do sense that there's something significant that God is doing in this season. 
and that is he wants to turn hearts to him, not because of organized religion or traditional means of worshiping. We are gathering, even though we are not together physically in the spirit, we are. Because together we are. That's what we say in Church One. So, you know, I love you guys. This is not an ideal situation, but I really believe that God's word, if you allow it to enter into your heart, is going to heal your life. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.